This is a 20 by 70 podcast extra. If you're someone who, like us at the Committee of 70, expects more from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and Washington, D.C., then subscribe to the 20 by 70 podcast on the Apple Podcast Store or wherever you go to binge great audio. This is David Thornburg, President and CEO of the Committee of 70, Philadelphia's longstanding advocate for better government and better politics in Philadelphia and in Pennsylvania. We have a primary election coming up May 21st, you may have noticed. A lot of folks running for office, uh, candidates for city council, city commissioners, other citywide offices. The way we look at it, running for office is a job interview. So we've taken it upon ourselves to help you out and conduct a series of job interviews. Uh, now with city uh, with uh, candidates for the office of city commissioner, and uh, I'm joined today by one of those candidates, Dennis Lee. Dennis, welcome. Welcome. All right, uh, and we're going to take a few minutes, about 15 minutes, to to hear from Dennis about his uh, past, present, and future, as it were. Uh, but Dennis, let me start with this question. This is the most fundamental. Okay. And uh, it's a question that's particularly important for this office because. Of, I think if we walked around, you know, any part of Philadelphia, most folks have no idea uh, what the city commissioners do. So that's my basic question to you. What's your version of what this job is? And more important, why are you running for it? Well, first of all, let me just say thank you to a committee of 74 mm -hmm. allowing me to interview for uh, one of the most important jobs, most important elected offices in the city of Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. this, the basic um, responsibility of a city commissioner is to put on free and fair elections and to protect 1,048,000 registered voters, their vote, making sure that their vote counts. Uh -huh. Now, why am I running? I'm running because I have the skill set. Uh, my past, I was former uh, chief deputy city commissioner. Uh, we're, uh, for Stephanie Singer, right? For Stephanie Singer. Day-to-day yeah. uh, -day operations was uh, my responsibility, uh, making sure that we do voter registrations at schools, uh, faith-based organizations, uh, businesses, as well as the prisons, uh, as well as election day troubleshooting. Mm -hmm. So the job of the uh, commissioner should be to make sure that people are aware that there's an election coming up. And I think we can do a better job at that. So my basic my basic uh, platform is voter education, mm -hmm. voter registration, and voter participation, because I believe democracy is in trouble when people aren't voting. Mm -hmm. So just talk a little bit more about that. Uh, easy to say, difficult to do. Uh, any particular thoughts as to the role that the city commissioners could play in registering voters? Because by the way, both parties, particularly around elect uh, presidential elections, put out their people with their iPads and their clipboards and so forth. But what's the, what's the particular role that the city commissioners have in well, that I, aspect of the job? Well, I think that the city commissioner should be that beacon, that leader that makes sure that civics is back in, into the schools. Mm -hmm. uh, so long-term is voter education. That means civics in elementary, middle school, and high school. We do a disjustice when we ask 18 year olds to register and vote, and we haven't had that conversation. So I think one is being an advocate of voter registration in, in, in what I just uh, described. I think also the city commissioner has to be an advocate in the state legislature about uh, updating the election code. 
-hmm. which has been around since 1937. And it needs seems to be like yesterday. Though. Yeah, it seems like yesterday. However, 1937 is a long time and it impacts us on our absentee ballot, on our absentee applications mm -hmm. uh, with the deadlines. We need to update that. So city commissioner role is to be an advocate for new, uh, new policies, new uh, legislation that's going to uh, make the uh, voting experience for the voter better. Okay, so there's sort of a nuts and bolts election day, make the trains run on time, and then, as you said, your view is you're, you're also to be an advocate, an advocate for change. Advocate for change, and also being that, you know, most people don't know about the city commissioner's office and what we do and what we have to do, uh, we have to increase our marketing budget. We've got to increase our marketing budget so that we can year-round uh, let people and inform them of the, our accessibility, um, inform them of what our duties are. So what's, again, picture yourself in office. So just think about what you would do day-to-day, week-to-week. What, again, what's the most effective way that you can think of as a commissioner of increasing the visibility of the office? Like, well, what, do you, what do you actually do? Well, actually, uh, the first part of being in that office is that we've got to update uh, the integrity uh, protocols. We've got to train our, we've got to train our staff. We've got to train everyone in uh, the polling facilities the updated integrity because we've got to build that integrity and, and make sure that the public feels that their vote is being counted. Uh -huh. Number two, I, I think that uh, on a daily basis, uh, we've got to partner with different organizations like the Committee of 70, like organizations that have been doing this hard work, right? We've got to come alongside of them mm -hmm. and support them in a, in a, in a way that uh, shows uh, positivity, that voting matters, getting voting back on everybody's agenda. Right. And I think that that's a day-to-day -day, uh, day -day job. We've got to make sure that the day-to-day -day operations, that that when that registration form comes in, that it gets uh, updated in a timely manner so that people do not lose out on their right to cast their ballot. Okay. So I think d making sure that we're checking all of those systems and making sure that we're having these town hall meetings so that people can understand what we're doing and that we can get feedback from uh, the, the uh, citizens about how we could do our job better. Right. More communication. So we've taken a look at uh, other jurisdictions around the country, around the, uh, even around the Commonwealth. And it's clear that uh, some folks do a much better job, in our opinion, of actually reporting to citizens after the fact how we did on Election Day, uh, how the election process worked. Is that something you'd commit to, uh, sort of a, what they call in business an after-action report? That's Use this in the military too. Exactly. You, you have a maneuver, and your question is, how do we do? So, is that something you would absolutely, be in a absolutely? We we did it um, when 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 I was in office with uh, Commissioner Singer. One of the things that people do better when they know uh, how they did, and we do better when we find out what we did, what, how we can improve that voter experience. Mm -hmm. But that's what I related to in terms of town hall meetings. Right. That would uh, that would give a data analysis of how that area, how those areas voted, as well as how we can improve on that, and taking a survey of how their voting experience was on election day. Okay. That's very key. You know, we've been doing a survey like that the last few cycles. A Absolutely, voter experience survey. And, and and one of the things is that we need to partner with organizations that do this good work. 
I mean, some of this work we can work together on. We may not have, we may not agree mm -hmm. on everything that every organization does. We gotta agree that the voter experience has gotta be the best experience that a voter can have. Yeah. And we've gotta use every data that we can to make sure that we're 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 checking our we're dotting our I's and crossing our T's. Right. So one bit of data that we know in 2016 is that there were polling places in North Philadelphia around Temple University where voters had to wait for three hours. So A, how, which all the research and common sense is that turns people away. If you're at the tail end of that three hour line, you're going home. <laughs> exactly. Nobody, I mean, as dedicated as you might be. So my question is, how do you avoid that in the future? We know that there's another presidential election coming up. We'd be on your watch. How do you avoid that? Well, one is that we got to make sure that everybody's trained properly. And the training has to not only happen twice a year, it's got to happen year round. We've got to figure that part out in terms of making sure that webinars and everything. So part of that is training. Mm -hmm. The other part of that is make, making sure that our systems are updated enough so that there, there's not long lines in terms of determining uh, who is eligible to vote at those locations. Uh, then we have to, uh, as well, inform the public ahead of time any changes with the polling places. Okay. And a lot of times uh, there are there are re reasons for changing the polling places. Right. However, we need to partner with agencies to, dissimilar to when there's a emergency uh, with PCO or with PGW. You get those annoying text messages at get, three o'clock in the morning and uh, tells you there's a thunderstorm coming. Well, you know what? Whatever <laughs> it's going to take yeah. to make sure that the public is informed, I would rather people being upset with an annoying text than them not knowing exactly where they're voting at that yeah. day. All right. Let me turn back uh, to a little bit of a reflection on asking you to think about your, your career and your accomplishments to date. Uh, so you're applying for this job, city commissioners. What have you done in your uh, career that you think is that, that you're proud of and you think is relevant to this position? Sure. Um, eight years as a city uh, committee person, uh, eight years working for uh, Senator Hughes during his community and economic development, meaning a lot of public uh, engagement. Uh, I was uh, chair of uh, WPFSI during the time that we built the shopping center at 52nd and Jefferson Park West Township. And it gave me an opportunity to work on large budgets. Mm -hmm. uh, that shopping center cost about $57 million uh, to build, uh, and it's worth over a hundred so million. So I've dealt with large numbers. Mm -hmm. The city commissioner's uh, office has a budget of 10 million uh, and uh, is responsible for, as I said before, about a, a million plus registered voters and making sure that their vote count. Uh, listen, being, uh, being a, uh, something tragic really happened in my life in terms of what caused me to have a passion for working for people. My son was murdered and I had to decide then to either stay on the sideline or get off the sideline mm -hmm. and get into the fight. Mm -hmm. And I've been serving the public since that time. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think my commitment and my drive for wanting to serve the public, I want to be a leader that's a servant leader, not a leader that serves themselves. Mm -hmm. So I think with all of that qualifies me to uh, be the next city commissioner. Got it, got it. So uh, let's fast forward. You get elected. It's now April 2023. Let's say you're running for re-election or maybe you're hanging up the spikes. What would you say as specifically as you could uh, that you'd been able to accomplish uh, 
between you know the time you took office and the time you were uh, up for re-election or for the second uh, second job interview? Well, I tell you, um, I, I think that uh, elections will be just as excited as city of Philadelphia was excited for the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, civics uh, would be back into the schools. We would have that partnership taken care of. The integrity of the election, the training uh, for our staff, the training for our poll uh, workers uh, would be uh, uh, bar none uh, mm -hmm. a, a fantastic. And the election day experience in terms of the voter experience would be much improved. Yeah. We would have had uh, some legislation uh, put forth uh, not sure if it would be approved, but uh, to update that uh, uh, election day code, uh, 1937. And I think overall that uh, the partnership with uh, various uh, organizations and entities that do this work uh, for getting people out to vote, getting information to vote would be much uh, improved. Yeah. Just uh, back on the sort of advocacy side, uh, then we've we got to wrap up in a couple of minutes, but um, you talked about, you know, part of the job is taking a message to Harrisburg and representing a million plus voters in Philadelphia about how things ought to change. Um, what, what's what's top of your list in terms of modernization uh, of the election code or other changes we should make in the voting process? I mean, people talk about absentee ballots, um, uh, vote centers, um, early voting. What's, well, your, I, what's your sort of top uh, top list? Uh, I, I think uh, the top list is same day uh, registration, vote uh, voter registration, uh, early voting. Uh, I believe that uh, 16 year olds, 16 year olds and 17 year olds should be pre-registered. Uh, I think that would uh, enable uh, them to be ready by the time they're 18. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that uh, absentee, uh, the deadlines for absentee uh, applications and, and, and ballots need to be updated. Now, I think we were something like 46,000 absentee ballots that came in in 2016 that were ineligible because they came in too late. Right, and so, you know, the, the, the bottom line is that Philadelphia is the largest voting bloc in the state of uh, Pennsylvania. Uh, naturally, our absentee uh, uh, rate of uh, denial is higher than most uh, any other county. We've got to improve that because anytime we disenfranchise a voter, right? It touches a lot more than just that vote. Yep. A, a quick answer, because we're uh, coming up on our time, but uh, uh, city commissioners voted a few weeks ago to approve new voting machines uh, that the governor had mandated uh, as close as he could to, that they'd be in place for this fall. Do you agree with that decision? So, uh, uh, and if, if not, uh, why not? And what would you do? Okay. I totally disagree with that um, decision. First of all, the city, sitting city commissioners should have recused themselves because they were a candidate on February 19th. That's number one. Number two was not enough public, uh, not, not enough public input to make that decision. Uh, we had since 2013, we knew that we were going to, we needed new uh, voting systems. Right. We should have done surveys. We should have done more to get that uh, message out. So what I would have done, uh, in, in terms of uh, looking at new voting systems, I would have did a survey uh, with uh, with public input. I would have had town hall meetings okay. with public input. We only had two, and those two were not used. We only had two public hearings, which were not used in the decision to uh, pick those uh, voting systems. Got it. 
We've got to put a wrap on right. our uh, discussion, but thanks for joining me. Thank you, and sleep. thank you to Committee of Seven. All right, good. Well, just again, as a reminder, we have a primary election coming up May 21st. hope this interview with Mr. Lee has been helpful to you. If you want to learn more, go to our world-class voting guide at uh, nonpartisan voting guide at 70.org or download our WeVote app, in which makes it possible for you to hold the palm of your hand, everything you need uh, to be a super voter on May 21st and beyond. Uh, so thanks for joining us, and we'll see you at the polls. Hi, this is David Thornburg, President and CEO of the Committee of 70, Philadelphia's longstanding advocate for better politics and better government. We have a primary election coming up on May 21st, and there's a lot of offices from uh, mayor, council, judges, city commissioners. Uh, a lot of those candidates, all of those candidates are out talking to people uh, in the run-up to the election. Uh, and we like to think of it as a job interview. That's what's happening here is voters are interviewing candidates for uh, their suitability for particular positions. Uh, we have interviewed a lot of city council at large candidates, I think 23 so far. And we are in the midst of interviewing uh, city commissioner candidates as well. One of them, uh, Omar Sabir, is with me today. And uh, Omar, thanks for being here. Oh, thanks for having me. All I right. appreciate that. Yep, sure. And uh, we're basically going to spend about 15 minutes talking with Omar about his uh, past, present, and, and future. So let me begin with the most basic fundamental question uh, that's tripped up folks even at the national level because they couldn't quite give a convincing answer to this. But uh, the question is this. Um, why are you running for the office of city commissioner? Well, I won because I care. You know, I, I have five children. Uh, to live here. I have no plans of moving from Philadelphia, but I want to see a better city. And I understand that if we increase our voter turnout, we will bring more resources to our city. We will improve our quality of life. We'll improve our schools. And we will have accountability from elected officials. And that's what's uh, missing here. Mm -hmm. As you know, there's two types of people that live in Philadelphia. This one that's eating every night, this one that isn't. We have 400,000 people living in poverty in Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. And it's very interesting because a lot of those people, they don't vote. That's in, that's in that 400,000 I just talked about. You know, they don't see a relationship uh, to voting. They lost faith in the government. And as I become city commissioner, Omar Sabir, uh, if you push button number 35, that'd be me. Mm -hmm. And I believe that I will increase the voter turnout and I will give Philadelphia back its voice. Okay. So, uh, you probably have realized as you've been out talking to voters, a lot of people have no idea what a city commissioner does. Right. So uh, they'll give our uh, viewers your best shot at uh, what the job is um, in any way you'd like to describe it. Okay, sure. Uh, the city commissioner's office is a three-member bipartisan board of elected officials, and we oversee all the election functions in Philadelphia County. It's a $10 million budget, there's 98 full-time jobs, and there's thousands of part-time jobs if you include poll workers and the registration. Uh, there's 1,692 polling divisions. Uh, and You know, it's, it's a big, vast logistical job. Uh, you have a lot of diversity in Philadelphia, and our job is to make sure that when you go to register your vote, that everything is running smoothly, and that's my job. We also handle the voter registration, and that's a big lofty job as well. You know, people put their voter registration forms in and 
you know, they're not necessarily on the polls. I mean, you know, we have a shortage of poll workers. So it's our job to make sure that everything runs off smoothly, that your voting experience is professional and done with enthusiasm. So someone said in an article recently that the easiest way to understand what, a city, uh, what the city commissioners do is if things go wrong on election day. <laughs> right. Uh, long lines, people aren't in the poll books, uh, absentee ballots aren't counted or Correct. late, so Correct. forth and so Correct. on. Correct. So th that also suggests you're accountable uh, for what happens on election day. Oh, well, you better believe it. Uh -huh. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is people votes. I mean, if, you know, somebody uh, misplaces uh, from human error and misses someone's uh, voter registration, and you know they don't get to vote, I mean, that's their chance to participate in democracy. Uh, as far as the long lines, I, uh, Philadelphia really don't have that problem. I mean, we saw that with President Barack Obama, and you see it in the presidential elections, but unfortunately, in a mayoral race like this, you know, you yeah. won't have that issue of lines. We did have three-hour lines at the 2016 presidential election. Yeah, presidential election. I mean, yeah. yeah. So certain areas, yeah. Let me just ask you, this right. gets into sort of your thoughts on uh, uh, kind of the office and its performance to date. How has the, uh, how have the city commissioners been doing this last term or in recent memory? Uh, if you had to give a grade to the uh, performance of the office. Well, Is there room for you to improve it? Oh yeah, it's just room for me to improve it. I mean, I, I think that uh, I'm the uh, person to do it. Mm -hmm. uh, we have a vacancy there, uh, Commissioner Clark isn't running. Uh, so hopefully, like I say, I've been endorsed by the Democratic Party, have a lot of union support and a lot of labor support, a lot of different neighborhood coalitions that see uh, the vision of Omar Sabir uh, being in office. Mm -hmm. And I believe that I'm the person to do it. But back to the performance well, the of the office. Yeah. Well, How I mean, I've been doing? well, I mean, I think, I think you is out of five. I think you might give it about three and a half, you know, but I think with me being there, I think it could be in five. And I think it's, it's, we always have to keep working forward. You know, we have to make sure that everyone's voice is heard and see how can we make our election better. Mm -hmm. So let me, this is, uh, this is a hypothetical. We hope it doesn't happen, oh, but it okay. actually happened to be right. in real life. So let's say <clears throat> that you had, it's a three-person uh, board of commissioners. Correct. Right? Three of you, two majority, one minority. Party. Correct. Um, let's say one of your colleagues uh, wasn't showing up to work ever. Correct. And it was pretty clear that that was the case. Right. This is by the way, what, what was happening in this last four years with Commissioner Clark. So it wasn't just a hypothetical. So right. what would you do if, if this was one of your colleagues? Well, I mean, the first thing I would do um, is uh, if you got those, those three, you got a three-member bipartisan board, right? You got two Democrats, two Republicans. You know, first thing I would do is I, I would stop. I would personally, if he wasn't showing up to work, I would stop at his house or her house and, and see exactly, you know, what's going on, you know, mm -hmm. see why you aren't showing up and see how can we turn that around to see to get you coming back into work and see how can we, you know, be more efficient and see exactly what's going on. Because some people may have illness. You know, you had coworkers sometimes, they don't necessarily disclose everything. So, you know, I go to their, uh, you know, put their house, see what's going on. But guess what? You know, if they're, they're, they're not going to show the work, guess what? Then we just got to roll up our sleeves, pick up the load and do what we have to do. Hmm. Do you, um, I don't want to dwell too much on the past. Go ahead. I know you're all about We're the future. Accessibility, uh, transparency, were you, and modernization. Were you uh, offended by that? It's just as a as a as a local leader, as a taxpayer, oh yeah, as well, a well, as a taxpayer, uh, yes, that's why I actually uh, ran uh, in 2015. Mm -hmm. I came up short. I didn't have the party endorsements like I have now. A lot of people were telling me, "Why should I run? Why are you running?" 
I just felt it was fundamentally that we needed a change. And I actually uh, ran for office, had a bad bowling position, mm -hmm. had a worse bowling position, and, you know, we came up short. Yeah. But my protest was me actually going out and actually running. Right. Without no money, without the party support, and I felt as though that we needed a change. Right. Right. So uh, let's let's uh, let's talk more uh, more about about you and, and your background. What would you like folks to know about what you've accomplished, the successes that you've had that benefited the city of Philadelphia and its people that would uh, prepare you to take on this job? Okay. Well, back in uh, 2013, uh, I was successful. I was elected a uh, traffic court judge. Mm -hmm. I came in number one, and just within a you know. Traffic court came and then it got abolished, you know, that same mm -hmm. uh, summer, right. Uh, right when I elected in the primary. And uh, my faith had got a little bit shaken uh, in the process. And there was a lot of people that actually voted for me uh, for the very first time, the first time voter. They said, Omar, man, I was a topic of barbershops, mm -hmm. hair salons, about right. this is the reason. You know, we have an educated black man that ran for office. You know, why should I vote? You know, look what they did to you. So uh, I received a phone call that summer from State Senator Benson Hughes, uh, who's the first uh, African-American uh, appropriation chairman. He said, I like what you did with the campaign and, you know, why don't you come on and come to Harrisburg? So it was like, it was irony, because it's like, yeah. I'm going to go work for the same place that just abolished right. my position. Right. But we still wanted to serve uh, the citizens of the 7th Senatorial District, uh, which is uh, from West, West Philadelphia, what we actually serve is up to Upper Dublin uh, as well. So you just a lot of, you know, once one part of our district is poor, the majority, but you go up to more affluent. And, uh, you know, it was a good experience for the last six years and uh, build relationships. What'd you do for the center? Well, I was actually, uh, well, everybody, when you first come into the center's office, you don't care about titles or anything else. You start at the ground level, right? So I came there working hard. I was answering phones at first. Because mm -hmm. I came in, I thought I was a big shot. He said, uh -huh. man, you got to start answering the phones, right. man. Everybody starts. Right, right, right. So we started answering the phones. So I ended up being um, the junior liaison, uh, his office manager. And uh, I had like another pet project. I started a nonprofit called Vote Philly Vote. And he was very supportive of. So we was going out to the constituents. It was a nonpartisan uh, group. And we was educating voters on uh, voting. All right. Some folks have said uh, that the city commissioners have a role to play in, speaking of Harrisburg, and going to Harrisburg and advocating for changes to the election process, modernizing it, making it easier to vote in some way, shape, sure, or form. So sure. what are your thoughts on that um, part of the job description? And do you have ideas about how we could improve or modernize the voting process? Oh, of course. I mean, I sit down with uh, the leadership in Harrisburg uh, all the time. Uh -huh. I have a great relationship. So as people talk about reforms, it's very important that you have relationships. I also have good relationships with a lot of the organized labor and a lot of other different community coalitions. So one of the things, uh, bills that the senator had introduced was automatic uh, voter registration. Uh -huh. That didn't really get nowhere. Uh, but, you know, in 2020, He's, we've been working hard on elections all across the state. Mm -hmm. So we've been participating in elections all across the state. Uh, we're four seats away from actually taking control of the Senate, mm -hmm. the Democratic control, so we can get those reforms that we want. We want automatic voter registration. We want early voting. We want paid time off to vote. We want absentee ballot reform. We want eliminate all the barriers which make it harder for people to vote, right. and then particularly black and brown people. 
So uh, is that impossible if, uh, unless the Senate uh, gains majority in the Senate and the House? Well, actually, uh, it's not impossible. Uh, one of the things that we did with the voter ID uh, was that we actually uh, filed a, a lawsuit. So we actually can form uh, a coalition of people to actually maybe sue mm -hmm. to actually try to get those uh, changes that we want. Mm -hmm. You know, because all the data is proven that we talk about early voting, same day registration, all those different reforms, it makes it easier for people to vote and then particularly uh, black and brown people, mm -hmm. you know, cause you know, let's face it, you know, those are the people that's been suppressed mm -hmm. and we want to make it, we want to eliminate all barriers, want to update the election code. And like I said, we do have a friendly uh, state and Supreme court up there. So I mean, why not? Right, right. Do you have relationships with the Republican leadership or Republican members in Harrisburg? Oh uh, well, well, Republicans are in control, so I mean, you have to you have to make relationships on both mm -hmm. both sides of the aisle. And if we come to see, you know, a common uh, barrier on what's going on, you know, we'll go for it. Okay. So uh, this the last part uh, of the conversation. Let's let's uh, let's uh, presume. Let's fast forward. You get elected uh, in in uh, uh, in May of the primary. Right. It's now 2023, four years from now, and you're now, let's say, you're campaigning for re-election. What would you like to, to, to say that what's the short list of things that you have been able to accomplish that you'd like to share with the voters in, in 2023? Okay, well, we want to have um, accessibility, uh, transparency, and modernization. You know, hopefully, you know, the office would be more accessible for senior citizens, returning citizens, citizens that have special needs, and we want the office to be more transparent. Mm -hmm. We're talking about daily social media posts. We're talking about weekly email blasts. We're talking about different uh, meetings every month, going around to different parts of the city, letting citizens of Philadelphia know, like I said, that $10 million in that budget, mm -hmm. what is it being spent for? We also want to modernize it. Uh, I have a vision of coming up with a nice uh, mobile app, robust, you know, that people can get the accurate information that they need. Mm -hmm. Uh, particularly voters from 18 to 35 right. uh, to get, you know, up-to-date information, make it easier for them to get registered, to download the absentee ballots, you know, so that's hopefully, like I say, we'd like to see. And then more often than not, like I say, I just like to see the voter turnout increase. Yep. Because the more we vote, the more we get. Yep. So last question, uh, I'm sure you uh, have a thought on this. Uh, about uh, six weeks ago now, I guess the current commissioners signed off on a, uh, a new voting machine uh, procurement, uh, not without a fair amount of controversy that continues to this day. The city controller weighed in and said she didn't thought this was a great process. The Auditor General of the state weighed in, of course, both Democrats. Um, was that a good choice? Was that a wise choice? If you were uh, elected, would you continue with that procurement? Would you? Uh... Well, uh, well, I would have done it the process different. Mm -hmm. I would have got more input from all parts of the city, but I do understand that there was a mandate uh, to get that done. Uh, so it was kind of like a rush process, but definitely we needed more input from people in West Philadelphia, mm -hmm. North Philadelphia about the voting machines because nobody knew anything about it. So would you have made the same decision? Well, hindsight, I mean, it's always uh, 2020. I mean, I can't really say what I do because I don't have the position. Mm -hmm. I just think right now, I mean, we already had the machines. So now it's important that we teach people how to use those new voting machines, mm -hmm. that we have enough outreach to our committee people, 
and we have enough to just the regular citizen voters, and we have to teach people how to use those machines. Right. Yeah. Well, the the plan is, I heard from uh, right. current Commissioner Dealey earlier mm -hmm. today that you know they're going to put those in place and electronic poll books as well on, right. uh, for this November, so that we don't have to try this stuff out during a presidential right. year. But yeah, you point out that is a that is a huge issue, which. If we had another 15 minutes, we talk about uh, training and recruitment and all well, that. Well, that's the main stuff. thing. We got to do training, and it's on all of us. Yep. It's our civic duty to do the training, you know, especially uh, the black and brown communities, yep. you know, because the voter turnout is already uh, kind of low, but to see different changes, you know, so we have to get people that's from, recruit people from the neighborhood yep. that people can trust. And we're going to execute and do training, like I say, committee people, the voters, and everyone else. Well, I did my time when I first came to Philadelphia. I was a uh, uh, on the election board in Germantown for a couple seasons. So that's, that's a couple of long days is what that is. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, listen, we have to wrap this up, but Omar Sabir, thank, thank you, man. You I appreciate you for your time, man. Yep. Thank you. All right. And just as a, another reminder, primary coming up May 21st. Make a plan to vote. Encourage your family, your friends, your neighbors, your relatives, people at your church, everybody you run into, make a plan to vote. If you need more information, go to our website at 70.org. You can uh, take a look at our world-class voter guide. And you can also download our We Vote app from the App Store, which will put in the palm of your hand pretty much everything you need to be a super voter on May 21st and beyond. Uh, so with that, thanks again, and uh, we'll see you at the polls. Push number 35. Welcome to Studio C70 at the Committee of 70. Next month is Election Day, big primary for the city of Philadelphia, judicial offices on the ballot, and a whole host of city offices, mayor, city council, but also city commissioner, register of will, sheriff, whole bunch of offices. We'll come back at the end of the, uh, the interview here to talk about a couple resources you might use. For now, though, uh, with this election, the elections are like job interviews. The candidates are like the job applicants. The voters are like the hiring committee. We have one of the job applicants for city commissioner with us this morning. Absolutely. Kyle Williams, how are, how are you, sir? I'm doing really well. Thanks for having me. Glad to, glad to have you here. Very so we only here. have 15 minutes. Okay. Um, and so let's, let's dig right in. City commissioner is, is not the, the highest profile office in the city and, and kind of unique sure. as far as uh, election uh, offices across across the country. Um, it's it's actually one of the very few in the United States where it's an elected position that's that's only responsible for overseeing elections. That's right. Um, could you talk a little bit about like, how you see this job and and why you're running for it? Sure, absolutely. So let me just start with the first question first of how I see this job. So I think that this is uh, it's an underutilized position. It's a position that for a very long time has been a um, a place where people are 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 staffed or or run for because uh they are in a patronage mill essentially mm -hmm. or people that are not particularly interested uh in how elections are governed it's been sort of sort of afterthought of government and i i think that it really it really shouldn't be and so i see the job as a number of things i see it one as i mean it is primarily an election administration function mm -hmm. right so the goal is to run elections well is to run elections properly is to make sure that things don't happen on election day mm -hmm. it shouldn't happen but uh it, but it can be much more than that I think there's lots of space there uh for public information i think there's lots of space there for election reform advocacy mm -hmm. and i think there's a lot of, of room uh for for sort of expansion 
of uh, the duties of, of, of an office that really is meant to engage with the public. I mean, I think it could be everything from a cheerleader for the city in terms of why people should participate in the process and what's going on in the city mm -hmm. that people should care about, uh, but also to the election reform point as part of why I'm running is because I think it should be a position that is pushing the ball forward on any number of election reforms. And that's from, you know, from the ditching that's gonna be coming up this cycle uh, to some of the uh, election reform changes that I wanna see, which is same day voting, uh, early voting, no-fault absentee ballots, um, and, uh, and those types of things. And so I think the commissioner's office should be taking positions on that. They mm -hmm. haven't typically. And I think that we should be pushing and, and organizing everyone from county, other county boards uh, here in the state to, um, to, uh, to individuals and, 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 uh, and, and uh, organizations. Mm -hmm in Philadelphia and elsewhere uh, to push those election reforms forward. Mm -hmm. And let's, you know, let's talk about uh, you just for, for a minute. Can you talk about like, your background and, and record? I, I know that uh, elections are not a brand new thing to you. Sure. Um, you've worked on them before. So like, yeah. how does that experience you know, translate into being a city commissioner? I think it does, I think it does quite well. So um, just a couple things about me. Uh, I am an attorney here in the city, uh, the only lawyer that's actually running for city commissioner. Um, but before I went to law school, I worked for the NAACP Legal Defense and Educational mm -hmm. Fund on helping to reauthorize the Voting Rights Act. And so that's something that's given me a passion for, for this sort of work. I think it's given me an attention uh, and, a, and a focus on elections and sort of how they're run, how they're protected, and making sure that people have the right to vote. Uh, after I worked for LDF, I went to a place called the Brennan Center for Justice mm -hmm. and worked there for a couple of years. And so when I talked about the, the election reforms that I'd like to see, a lot of that advocacy work is stuff that I did before I went to law school. And so mm -hmm. I worked on uh, redistricting reform, which was you know, super interesting and is, you know, I think coming more in vogue here in Pennsylvania after uh, the sort of fiasco with uh, the uh, redistricting battles the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. uh, worked on some campaign finance reform stuff. Uh, mm -hmm. Philadelphia actually has you know, pretty comparatively good campaign finance reform. Mm -hmm. Our campaign finance legislation, although I think that you know public finance isn't something that people should be talking about, uh, and I think uh, and I worked on some some stuff with uh, restoring the right to vote for people with felony convictions, which mm -hmm. was really exciting and gives you some opportunities uh, to build sort of unlikely coalitions uh, mm -hmm. within um, sort of uh, both within government uh, people that uh, you know in, in different sort of groups that are that are really interested in making sure that people have a second chance and that mm -hmm. people can be redeemed through the criminal justice system, mm -hmm. and that includes the the, the uh, getting the right to vote back. So mm -hmm. uh, that stuff I did before law school. Mm -hmm. I think that being a lawyer and understanding the rules of the road is helpful. Mm -hmm. It's one of the reasons I got drove to law school, but I, I sort of went to law school with an eye towards doing this sort of stuff, at least at least in my pro bono practice, mm -hmm. if not in my full-time practice, which is, you know, sort of pushing election reform, mm -hmm. doing things involving free and fair elections. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned a, a couple of election reforms that, you know, that would, that would have to be legislated in Harrisburg. Sure. Um, and, you know, they, for folks at home, there, there are three city commissioners. They serve together on the county board of elections, which is a, a bipartisan body. Uh, every county in the Commonwealth has this bipartisan county board of elections. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, bipartisan is that, you know, there's there's some, some bit of balance there in providing a proper oversight. Well, I guess my question is, is, uh, you know, to advocate for uh, certain election reforms as a as a Democrat or as a Republican in Harrisburg, you know, how do you strike that balance and making sure that you um, the commissioners don't get caught up in a, in a partisan um, effort? Right. Well, this is kind of what is unfortunate about mm -hmm. election uh, about election reforms that really shouldn't be a, mm -hmm. a partisan issue. And mm -hmm. to the degree that that some folks see. Um, I know Mitch McConnell talking about uh, having a election day on a holiday is a, is a, is a power grab. Mm -hmm. I, I just don't think that's true. And mm -hmm. so to the degree that, uh, that there are certain policies that affect Democrats because of how they sort of think about the process, mm -hmm. I really think it should be 
access for everyone is better. Um, I think that making elections easier for people to participate in is something that everyone should seek. Uh, mm -hmm. There are Republicans that are shift workers that would prefer to have uh, voting on more than one day. Uh, there are Democrats uh, that you know live in a different part of the city than where they work and would prefer to have a no-fault absentee ballot option. And so, uh, Martina White, for instance, uh, had a had really nice commentary um, in, a, in an article that came out back in October that talks about how first responders, you know, a large portion of whom live in the Northeast, mm -hmm. how those folks um, uh, are disenfranchised in some ways because there are people that uh, work at, a, you know, maybe stationed some part in some other part of the city is far from where they, they live. Uh, and they've got, they've got, they're working 16 hour jobs or they've got to be on site for some long period of time. And they're deciding about whether or not to work or to vote, mm -hmm. right? And, and, and that's not the type of thing you want to have. And I don't think that all those people are, are Democrats. I'm mm -hmm. sure that there are a fair number of Republicans. And I think that her, that her talking about the fact that we should get something done to help these folks is something mm -hmm. that I'm in favor of. And I think there are lots of bipartisan um, mm -hmm. sort of issues out there that I think everyone can agree upon. Mm -hmm. So you know, let's talk about one of the, the more high profile issues that's, that's come up this year. I mean, uh, Election integrity has always been a concern for the Committee of 70 and for Philadelphia and for the state of Pennsylvania. You know, Philadelphia in particular has had, uh, you know, an interesting history, I guess, around elections. And, and you know, back when 70 was first established, one of our, our first orders of business was to run election protection work and, and crack down on, on the voter fraud that was like fairly rampant mm -hmm. 100 years ago. Yeah. Um, you know, today our security issues are, are a bit different. I mean, the, the, the election fraud that, you know, that we hear about and that we see is, is quite isolated, very sporadic and you sure. know, limited to, to party, inter-party contests. But um, obviously, there's been uh, some controversy around the voting machines, and there, there are certainly larger national and, and international implications around election security now. So, sure. you know, the commissioners did vote on a, a new system. Can you talk about what you think about that particular choice, right. uh, the process around it, and, and what do you think we need to do to guarantee, you know, a, a secure election in this town? Sure. So uh, there's a lot there. Let me mm -hmm. try to unpack the, the – mm -hmm. and I'll start with the process, right? Yep. So, you know – I was made aware of this, I think, you know, in part because I was, I happened to be running for office. And the mm -hmm. way that this happened was there was a, essentially a settlement uh, between the state um, and uh, plaintiffs in the Eastern District of Pennsylvania sometime in late November. And that, I think, triggered uh, an RFP being sent out by the city for new election machines because the settlements essentially said that the P Pennsylvania is agreeing to have uh, certain types of election machines, i.e., machines that have uh, a voter verified paper trail mm -hmm. uh, that's auditable uh, in advance of uh, elections in, in uh, the spring of 2020, right? And so um, the, I think that that sort of, sort of rush to get the RFP out was not particularly well publicized. Mm -hmm. uh, I think people were sort of caught off guard and I recall not knowing anything about um, really the RFP until, mm -hmm. until January when the commissioners asked for public comment. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the public comment was sent out maybe two or three days before it actually occurred, uh, at least for the Thursday day, and then I guess maybe four or five days before the Saturday event. Mm -hmm. um, the commissioners did not make, did not reply uh, to people that had, um, that expressed concern about mm -hmm. everything from hand-marked paper ballots uh, to the sort of, the fact that the process was, was being rushed through and that they had this sort of February uh, drop deadline for, for choosing the machines. And I think that actually did take away from, I th from a lot of things, I think it took away from the ability to have a robust conversation. I mean, we obviously know that there was no demonstration of election machines mm -hmm. uh, among the public uh, before these things were voted upon, mm -hmm. you know, which other counties are doing, Montgomery County is doing that, Delaware County is doing it, mm -hmm. Allegheny County is doing demonstrations, and they're taking, they're having a much more deliberate process, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's not the process that we ended up with. Mm -hmm. um, I still don't understand why that didn't happen, um, and I'm not sure the commissioners have been really clear about why we had to have a process that, that was so rushed. Mm -hmm. um, I think on the election security part, I think the machines that we picked 
people are rightly concerned about the fact that they uh, are more susceptible uh, or vulnerable uh, to interference than uh, handmar paper ballots are. Um, I think the, the commissioner's counter is that, they're, that these machines are better for folks that are disabled uh, and, and, and better for other types of, of populations that don't require people to vote in a separate system. Mm -hmm. um, and so those things are, those are balancing acts you have to do with any, any machine, but mm -hmm. I do think that um, given that we have uh, a president um, uh, that has not, that has sort of refused to acknowledge uh, Russian interference, uh, the fact that the Mueller report essentially said that the Russians were trying adamantly to try to interfere with elections. I mean, I think it's something that we have to be concerned about. I mm -hmm. think that if there, if there are places for them to interfere, I think you know, Pennsylvania might be a good place to start because of, of how uh, the role we're going to play in the electoral college. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, so yeah, I'm going to I'm going to throw out another kind of big old question at you. Let's say you you, you are you are one of the next uh, city commissioners. Um, these are our four year terms. What's what's a big thing that you'd want to get done uh, sure. in that time? Absolutely. So I, I think there are I, a number of things that I think I'm really focused on. Mm -hmm. So I think the city commissioner's office. The reason you you talked about it being not particularly high profile, and mm -hmm. I think that's true. And one of the reasons is uh, that we need to be, I think, in communities uh, more frequently. And so mm -hmm. one of the things that I, I hope we can do is start holding meetings in different parts of the city. And so mm -hmm. right now the meetings are are usually held either in city hall uh, or they're held uh, Delaware and Spring Garden. And mm -hmm. I think taking the office to the people is something that we've really got to be focused on. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's having meetings in the far northwest, right? Mm -hmm. It's having meetings in South. Southwest, mm -hmm. it's how it means in the Northeast. Like mm -hmm. the, the getting out into the communities, I think is important. Uh, and I know that there have been questions that have been put to us about sort of how we want to do, you know, sort of make sure that we have um, sort of focused um, and strategic efforts uh, to increase turnout and get more people involved. I think we need to be taking hard look at the data. Uh, mm -hmm. I mean, registration data is is, is not it's not hard to parse. Mm -hmm. Voter turnout is not hard to parse, and we need to just be, be thinking really, um, you know, really really focused on making sure that the resources from our office are also getting to the people that really need it. Mm -hmm. The people in mm -hmm. low turnout wards, the folks that are that do not understand why participation is helpful. Mm -hmm. uh, and so it is not, and making it something that, that serves the city mm -hmm. a little more fully. Mm -hmm. um, to the point about election reform, I think if we are, if, if the office is putting out uh, policy positions uh, and, and, and talking to people, engaging people more mm -hmm. on election reforms. I think that's a great start, a mm -hmm. little bit harder to measure, but something that I, I'm really interested in doing. Mm -hmm. uh, and something I've been talking about on the campaign trail, which I, I, I'm really focused on, is ballot uh, randomization. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's something the city commissioners actually can do themselves, mm -hmm. uh, or at least uh, should do in consultation with the city solicitor about municipal mm -hmm. races. And mm -hmm. so that's something I'd like to see get done in the next four years. Mm -hmm. I think it's something we can be a leader on. Mm -hmm. I think people across the state don't understand why we elect judges the way we do, mm -hmm. why we elect people for city council the way we do. And I think there are ways that city commissioners can do that unilaterally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so there, you know, there's a, a bit of a sleeping crisis. I, I, I think I, I characterize it with our, our poll workers. And, sure. and we're not the only county with this issue. And in fact, this is an issue across the United States. Sure. The, our, our cohort of poll workers are, are, are aging. Mm -hmm. and, and it's, it's uh, and in Pennsylvania in particular, right, this, our, our election infrastructure was set up uh, generations ago. Yes. So you know, what, what would you do differently there? I mean, as far as recruiting these folks, retaining these folks, preparing them, and, and then also making sure that they're actually ready to, to do the work on election day. Right. So I think that's an extraordinarily heavy lift. And yeah. I think that when you talk about, uh, when you think about election security, mm -hmm. on one hand, and sort of aging poll, uh, aging poll workers and sort of workers on the, like, on the other hand, I think that is, is the type of thing that I think can be a recipe for disaster. Mm -hmm. So be really thoughtful, I think, from the moment the, 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 Polling machines, you know, the polling machines get picked. Mm -hmm. I think we've really got to think about how to train a, 
populace of folks uh, mm -hmm. to, to, to do this and do this properly. Mm -hmm. And I think um, one thing that I really want to think about is, is, is how we fill vacancies um, in different ways. And I think we have to be, think really outside the box about how mm -hmm. we fill vacancies in that office. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the things I want to be doing is recruiting uh, at colleges and law schools here, mm -hmm. uh, because I think there are people that are, that are tech savvy, uh, that will be relatively uh, that will that shouldn't be moved one way or another by the fact that we probably don't pay poll workers enough, mm -hmm. uh, but folks that you know might be able to take a day uh, because they've got flexible schedules uh, and, and and can and can step in mm -hmm. uh, and do the job. And I think mm -hmm. on top of that, you're looking at I think a cohort of people you know in their 20s and 30s that don't replace uh, the, mm -hmm. the poll workers because one of the having people that are in a community that have done it year after year is really helpful. People that understand the people that come to the polling place is really helpful. Mm -hmm. But to help some Supplement and to have, mm -hmm. and I think to provide a little bit better of a backstop for some technological problems to go wrong, I think would be a good thing. Mm -hmm. So thinking about how we can make sure those mm -hmm. folks are sort of paired off, mm -hmm. uh, and that you know we have equal amounts of experience uh, in mm -hmm. any given polling site, but also people that are newer to the process and but have uh, some technical skills mm -hmm. that might be helpful, I think is useful. Uh, the other thing I'd say is that we are trying to get people to invest in Philadelphia, and mm -hmm. I think participating. And sort of you know the democratic process here, I think, makes it more likely that people will want to stick around, uh, you know, sort of become part of a fabric of the community. I yeah. think that can be really helpful. Yeah. Okay. So we are just about out of time. I'll give you the the last word here. Um, what's you know the one thing that folks you think folks need to keep in mind uh, before they walk into the, that voting booth next month on May twenty first? Mm -hmm. Oh gosh. Uh, so <laughs> uh, great question. So I do think that you know this is uh, the next four years are. Mm -hmm. Are going to be a really big challenge for the city commissioner's office. Mm -hmm. I think you do want people that are competent, uh, that are focused and passionate, and care a lot about this stuff, uh, because we really can't afford uh, to mess up. I think that you know, the eyes of the nation are really going to be looking at Philadelphia for sort of how we run our elections in 2020. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that Pennsylvania is going to be extremely close, regardless of who the Democratic nominee is. Uh, and so that does mean that we really have to have. I mean, anytime you have to have a process that, that works for people. Uh, but I do think that you know we don't want to sort of uh, shoot ourselves in the foot by having people that we in the office that you know are not qualified or are or, or not prepared to do do an absolutely great job. Mm -hmm. We'll have to leave it there. Thanks so, so much. Thanks, thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. All righty. So uh, that's it from C70 uh, with Khalil Williams running for city commissioner. Um, to get ready to vote next month, there are a ton of offices, a lot of candidates. Uh, 70's nonpartisan voter guide will be at ballot.70.org. Uh, that's ballot.70.org. You could also download our, our WeVote app, uh, available wherever you download your apps at home. Uh, all the resources you could possibly need to be ready to cast an informed ballot. See you on Election Day, and thank you to Thomas Skelton Harrison for providing the funding for these broadcasts. See ya. Thanks for listening to this podcast extra. And as we say in each and every episode of the 20 by 70 podcast, expect more Philadelphia.